What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn with your loyal hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2022, which is freaking wild. I'm still processing 2020 personally, so time is flying, but we are so glad to have all of our listeners along for another year of great podcast episodes, if I say so myself. Uh, Jason and I really appreciate all of you guys. We love doing this show. We love talking about Auburn, even with a lot of the chaos that comes with it, and there is plenty of that happening right now, so we've got a jam-packed show. We're going to wrap up football season, kind of talk about off season and, and what all's transpiring right now. Also got to give some love to our basketball team. Who's crushing it right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know how we do <laughs> early in the year, we'll get more basketball, uh, focused in the coming episodes, but we'll give you one more really heavily football influenced episode. Cause there's plenty happening and, uh, we're here to help you process it. So before we dive into all of it, got to tell you about our sponsor bet online, They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the national championship and, of course, the playoffs that just wrapped up. We'll talk about that as well, yada, yada. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and they're giving a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive the bonus. Now, that's different than what we've had in the past. So this promo code is B-L-E-A-V to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers available. All right, the man, the myth, the legend, Jay Cam, who is now a whopping 40, 40. years old. 
<laughs> yes, I am the new 30, everybody. So okay. if you just need some inspiration, just look right at me. I'm, You're right. I'm the new 30. So I was actually trying to grab some food one night and I was picking it up for my birthday. Uh-huh. And the lady said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 40. And she was just like, there's no way you're 40. I was going to say 28. I was just like, oh, really? 28. 28. I that's, said, that's a good I, one. I, and then the girl beside her said, I agree. I would say 28, 29. I was you like, got it. And I said, you know what? <laughs> Y'all just inspire me. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. I said, this is a highlight of my day. I'm good. Should have just agreed with like, them. All right. Welcome to 40. So. Oh, my gosh. You still got it, Jay. <laughs> Hey, I'm just trying, you know. It's, Nothing you know, to it. Exactly. We've got plenty to talk about. And obviously everyone is, you know, following as closely as they can all the moves that are happening. But let's go ahead and do our last recap, albeit a short one, because unfortunately the Tigers dropped their last game of the 2021 season in the Birmingham Bowl against the 20th ranked Houston Cougars. Your girl was on the sideline and had to hand over the trophy to coach Holgerson, which really stung. Let me tell you having to interview him post game, but nonetheless, I am a professional and here we are, but on this podcast, I can tell you how I really feel and it sucked. Okay. But Auburn dropping the fifth straight game to close out the season, unfortunately, and uh, marks a losing season, which is also unfortunate. Uh, dropped this one 17 to 13. Um, obviously there's, there is a lot of need for offensive improvement and I don't think anyone was under any false impression otherwise, but this bowl game really solidified that. I think, um, Houston won with three minutes and 27 seconds left on the clock, but we erased an early double digit deficit by going ahead 13 to 10 in the third quarter, but just couldn't hold on that go ahead touchdown. Uh, Clayton Toon, their quarterback, had a pretty solid game. He came out of the locker room after half and seemed kind of disheveled. He, he wasn't playing well in the third, and then he kind of got it back together and, and certainly did, uh, did well with his day. But they did go on to win. So let's talk about some of our pieces to this. And we'll start on the offensive side. TJ Finley, um, 19 of 37 for 227 yards and a touchdown. And Obviously, we're going to get into the quarterback conversation because, as we know, there's a lot of movement still happening, a lot of hypotheticals, yada, yada. But just in terms of TJ Finley, Finley's game is so, like, drastically different than Bo Nix's game that it just jumps out at you. This is not a mobile quarterback in any sense of the word. And I know that he is still coming off an ankle injury that he sustained in the Iron Bowl. Leading up to the game, Coach Harson told us, that Finley was still gimpy. That was the word that he used. So like, he certainly doesn't have the get off. He wasn't even able to really plant into his throws. So that certainly plays an element, but this guy is six, seven has long limbs. Like a mobile dual threat guy is not what you're going to get out of him. And I don't think that an Auburn offensive scheme has played well to that in years past. And I think that Finley's performance in the bowl game almost solidified the need to continue to try and find someone elsewhere. This is the ongoing question right now. And it's an honest question from the standpoint of, you know, TJ, he started South Carolina game, started Iron Bowl, and then this was his third start with the Houston game. Now, those are two of those teams are was ranked football opponents. And then mm -hmm. 
South Carolina wasn't ranked, but they finished the season strong. They beat out right. beat North Carolina in a bowl game. So that was a superior opponent. Um, I, I'm not superior, but a good opponent. I say yeah. this though. The competition should be open in the spring. Like, I don't really yeah. think there's anyone that should be guaranteed a starting quarterback position right now because, you know, from a quarterback perspective is, you know, it's all about trying to go out and win games. And yes, right. TJ gave us a chance to win the game in Iron Bowl and we went to overtime. And, you know, this game, he made some really great throws. One down the middle to Shanker was a pinpoint accurate throw. Uh, you know, he made like one or two more, but then he also missed some throws and, yeah. you know, he missed some key throws. Uh, and it, it makes sense when you talk about the ankle a little bit, because some of his throws look like it was either he put too much on it or some of yeah. he didn't put enough on it. And, and like I said, the things that he can work on, he can become a better quarterback because he's not a mobile guy. And when you're not a yeah. mobile guy, the one thing you have to do very instinctively is know how to play in the pocket. And you got to know mm -hmm. how to slide in the pocket and how to get the ball out quick to avoid sacks because you have to take up for what else that you can't not do. And yeah. in this situation with him not being a mobile guy, this offseason is so critical for him just from a footwork standpoint of, okay, where's my number one, where's my number two, but I got to know where my number three is automatically yeah. because yeah. one and two is immediately it's not there. Somebody miss a block on the blitz. I got to find a way to get the ball out. And I got to yeah. know exactly where I'm going because I'm not able to escape as as a dual threat quarterback yeah so his clock in his head has to be faster than a, a dual threat quarterback the right. next thing is he is six seven so he's a mountain giant of a man so just imagine i'm six five this guy's two inches taller than me when i played with receivers if they was six feet and under it was hard and it was hard on That's them true. as well because if they're running crossing routes the ball looked like it's coming down at them fast Right. And because they catch it late, you know, because they can't see behind alignment. So with TJ, he's such a big guy. And I saw some of his crossing routes that looked like the ball was on the guys quick and mm -hmm. they couldn't either catch it or it was either too hot, you know? Yeah. So it's the thing that he has to work on as far as like, okay, understanding touch on some throws because of his height and sure. what it does for receivers coming across the middle. Those are all the things that he can really learn. The, the things about, you know, the things he can't control is, okay, will you get faster? You'll get a little faster, but you're pretty much top speed yeah. at 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like guys that train for the Olympics, yes, they get faster and faster, but he's not, let's just face it, that's not his MO. Right. And if we try to make that, that's his MO, then Auburn is going to be wrongly mistaken. You have mm -hmm. to figure out how to get the best of him out of his abilities. And like I said, yeah. the kid can throw the football, but- mm -hmm. You got to have a quick clock. Now, moving forward, Demetrius Davis. I wanted to see him at least a series or two in the bowl game just because the kid has been there now for, you know, what, 18 year. months, a year. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to see, like, it wasn't going to hurt him and it wasn't going to hurt the Auburn because the simple fact that, hey, he's red-shirted regardless. And then if he could play in the bowl game, then he asked that the element of threat to run the ball that TJ couldn't do because that's just not his thing. But yeah. this kid has it. So why not miss him in in a couple of series and make their defense have to think and work harder? They'd be like, okay, this kid's in the game. We got to defend this. Okay, now TJ's back in the game. We got to do this. Why right. not? Also, the kid is from Texas. So speaking with the Houston coaches, they actually knew about him. They tried to recruit him at Houston, and they were fully prepared to see him as well. So I think it kind of surprised everybody, but when we spoke with 
the coaches leading up to the game, I straight up asked coach Harson. I was like, should we expect to see Davis? And he said, no, he told me up front that that was not in the plan. He said, we have a package for him and it's running the ball. We're not letting him throw it. It almost gave me the impression that the kid still doesn't have the playbook or can't read defenses quickly enough. Like there is some mental element lacking that they were so dead set on putting him out there regardless of his physical capability. But see, my thing with that is, okay, if a kid don't know a playbook, I can take a kid right now from high school and I can give him 10 plays in a game where he doesn't have to read a thing. I don't think he has to do it just... All that he's done is look at this key. If you got a defensive end, if you're a running quarterback, I just want you to read the D. If he goes upfield, hand the ball off. He could, if he yeah. turns his shoulders in, keep the ball. If he gets outside and the linebacker's coming, I got a swing route waiting for you by the receiver, the slot receiver on the sideline for you. Yeah. That's easy. Kid was doing that in ninth grade. Like, I can run you on some bootlegs. I can run you on some neckers where you get outside the pocket. You got a one, two, three. If it's not there, take off and run for your fourth option. Right. That doesn't take a whole lot of coaching and a whole lot of prepping. I can even tell you and just say, hey, drop back. We're going to throw two hitch routes on both sides, two slants. Mm-hmm. Like, just throw the ball away from rotation. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if it's coming through, cover two, throw the stick route to the tight end. Like, there's easy things that this kid could have got in the game and done just to get his feet wet and just to throw a different look at the defense. And you still putting TJ out there. So you still right. getting that mitt. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. why not throw the kitchen sink at Houston? Because I don't, unless they just try to protect the kid from a, from a point of say, okay, we got this other kid coming in. I want to make sure I get him on campus. I don't want to get right. him scared of if he see Demetrius go out here and make all these plays and he'd be like, oh, I might want to change my decision. I don't know if it's a yeah. chess match in that, in that department. Right. We talked about that on the last episode, just what other pieces come into play with that, because I I was surprised. I I felt like this was a prime opportunity to just let the kid get his feet wet out there. If nothing else, I do think that 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 conversation is going to be probably the most prominent in these next few months, uh, possibly the next few weeks because of everything happening with the transfer portal right now. Um, So we'll get into that. But I mean, I think that one thing that you also have to have a level of understanding with, with whoever is under center, our, our receiver room is substantially depleted and this has not been a solid season for the receivers regardless, you know, but now you add in the fact that Kobe Hudson is no longer with the program and he was our leading target this past season in the game. He had four receptions for 57 yards and the go ahead touchdown in the third. So if there was a reliable target this year it was Kobe Hudson and um obviously we we still aren't entirely sure what happened with all of that like it first came out that he was transferring which surprised everybody because of what I just said him being the lead target um but according to his social media it was actually more of a dismissal from the program uh potentially a bit of a disagreement between him and coach Harson or a lack of understanding each other according to Kobe's terms um I am not privy to what actually happened there. I know you're not either. And all of that stuff should stay in house. It's, it's not, you know, to be a a point of gossip for people. That's, that's not what it's about, but it is disappointing because while the quarterback shuffling, I fully anticipate to continue even into spring ball. I I think it's going to be another situation where we don't know who the starting quarterback is probably until game one. Um, But Now for all of that questioning, they're also looking at this with a bit of hesitation because who is a quarterback going to throw to? 
That's a great question. I'm just saying, like, I, I hear people, you know, the names I hear, like, let's just face it, the internet's undefeated. So if you want to find out <laughs> information, you just go to the internet. So, 100%. you know, you hear the name Caleb Williams thrown around. All right. Will Caleb Williams come to Auburn? I don't know. I'm not I don't think say, so. You know, it's just, all right, like, you know, you already had weapons at Oklahoma. And then your head coach just left him with the USC. So you have to think the USC has to probably be number one. And mm-hmm. then the receiver, his number one, Mario Williams, his number one target. Yeah. He decided to follow the transfer portal. That sounds to me like a combo package yeah. at a Happy Meal that they're going somewhere. <laughs> now, so, so but there's like a plan involved. All right. There's a plan yeah. involved there. Uh, those guys had a really good bowl game together. Yeah. So. I expect them to probably USC. Now, I am here rumblings about UGA. Now, if this kid ends up at UGA and Mario Williams up at UGA, I quit. Along with that defense they already have. Oh, man. Auburn. We, what, we, do we do? What, what, what are we doing? What, 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 <laughs> gosh, you know, we already trying to fight this battle, getting back in the hunt with our, right. two, our two rivals. Uh, I, it, the transfer portal. It's almost now bigger than high school football coming out. Like it used to be all about the high school kids coming out. Now the transfer portal is just like, it's kind of taking off. So the NCAA is going to have to separate. They're going to have to separate the simple fact that, okay, you can deal with high school recruits. You can't start the transfer portal until after a certain period in January. I would agree with that. Yeah, because it's cutting out from these kids from high school. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then the guys is in college, like, Okay, you was already on a committed scholarship. Yep. You're choosing to leave your committed scholarship to take your talents elsewhere. Right. All right. You have to wait and see, you know, but mm-hmm. they have to separate. It's too much pressure on these coaches to try to deal with high school and transfer court at one time. And I know this just because right. I have some friends that are in college coaching. Um, well, it's also happening during bowl season when they're supposed right. to be coming up with a freaking game plan for the final game of season. They can't do any of this. They're on the road for recruiting. They've got transfer. I mean, like it's too much all at the same time period of the year. I, I think calendar is going to have to adjust. Yeah, I'm talking about it has to because just think about it. You did three football games in a matter of five days. You know, just think, <laughs> there you go. Power woman, <laughs> super woman. So, I'm just kidding. You know. I'm dying right now. <laughs> so, you know, just think about how hard that is. And then on top mm-hmm. of it, just think if you had to call some recruits and then make sure the recruits that you have signed stay committed, make sure yeah. that the guys that you have on your team that you're loving up on them enough for them to want to stay. And then I got to go out here to this transfer portal because right now Auburn is just dealing with more than just, okay, quarterback, that's going to take care of itself in the spring. It's going to be a battle. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, receivers. We never saw Elijah Cannon. We never saw Capers that much. These were supposed to be four-star receivers coming out of high school. I don't know if they don't know the system. I don't know what happened. So they're probably not going to be here. Kobe Cannon Huss, like transferred. Said, Cannon transferred. Yep. Kobe is supposed to be the leading receiver. All of a sudden, after the bowl game, a couple of days, deuces. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what, know, what's dude. going on? So you and it all happens so dang fast that like you right. think you've got you like a good footing of what's happening, and then you get online the next day and someone's departed the program, or like the tank situation, right. someone's leaving, and then oh, just kidding, no, they're not. Like it's chaos right now. All right. And then the offensive line situation, which I know you're about to hit on this, is okay, Nick Brahms, who we're waiting to see if he's gonna take his COVID year. Yeah. Uh 
Tayshaun Manning, not sure what's going to happen there. Trossel, do we even know what's going to happen there? No, like, I mean, those are, where do I have? Oh, Brahms, Troxel, and Jackson could all use their COVID-19 eligibility and be back. We know that Brodarius Ham is gone and Brandon Council is also done. Okay. So if you're in these guys' shoes, no, I know you don't want to stay in college for a six year, but maybe Taylor would have liked it. I don't know. I wouldn't want to stay in college for a six year. But if the opportunity presents itself, and you're like, okay, if I have a chance of playing at the next level, and I know this year probably wasn't a really good year. Right. Why not take that extra year because you have experience and come back and take advantage of it and put yourself in a better position next year? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's just a lot to figure out. Everything in football starts inside out. And like yeah. on the defense, our defense line could be one of the better D-lines in the nation next year. Yeah. Agreed. From an offensive standpoint, I can't tell you where our offense is going to be at because everything starts up front. And right now, I can't tell you who our five guys are. Nope. And uh, that's difficult because we've talked about that. Like, it's such a domino effect on the offensive side. And w- mm-hmm. if it starts with the line or the backs or, or the quarterback or the receivers, like, they all have an impact on each other. So it all has to work together. It's like a well-oiled machine. And so with all of these question marks all across the board – that makes it very disconcerting to even have a clue where this thing is headed. But, you know, you and I talked about before we started recording that there is, there does seem to be a level of patience and grace and understanding for coach Harson, even with the players. Like I'm, I've seen Damari Alston, a, a very big get for us in this recruiting class continually on Twitter saying like, I trust coach Harson and what he's building. Like there is a buy-in that even after year one and after some unfortunate results, people haven't abandoned the trust in him at the helm, which I think is a good sign. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like if you're a, you know, the coach came in in January last year. And my whole thing about Coach Harson is this was Gus guys. Right. You know, like this wasn't his recruits. Like, are some of them really talented? Yeah, some of them was really talented guys that Gus got. They always had a pretty much top 10 recruiting class. But from a, I guess the word I'm trying to say, from a mental toughness standpoint, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys weren't mental tough. I want guys that are committed. I want guys that would say, Coach Harson, I like you as a coach, but even if you're not at Auburn, I'm still coming to Auburn because I want to be there. want to be at Auburn, right. And I want to play there. It's a difference. Like, when I signed to go to Auburn, I fell in love with the Auburn family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was other coaches or other staffs that I liked equally as I liked Auburn sure. staff. You know what I'm saying? It was just a different feel for me when it came to the fan base and when it came to the the, the college campus, right? Yeah. It was different. So it didn't matter if Tug was there. I went through four coordinators every year. That's true. A coordinator each year. So that didn't make me say, oh, I'm AWOL yeah. because I had to go to a new coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I wanted to be there because I made a commitment to Auburn. But yeah. I made a commitment to myself that I came here not because of the coaches. I came here because there was the something place. about this that told me that this is the place for me. Right. And that's where I went. So I know. I know. And I think that in a way we're doing these kids a disservice by presenting them all of these options. And now these options are also coupled with money. And yeah. it's it's a presentation of more of like, here's what we can do for me, for you, for like an investment perspective. It's not even all about the game anymore, let alone, right. 
they're not having to sell Tiger Walk. They're selling $2 million. Like it's, right. it's just a totally different world in which we're having to go about handling these 18 to 20 year old kids. And it's, it's a lot for them to have to process as well. So like, I'm, I'm understanding of the situation, but it's certainly a, a, it feels like we're still in a transitional period, even after year one. And I think you hit the nail on the head because like year one under Harson is, is almost like it's, it's the bridge from the Gus to, to the Harson era. It wasn't fully, you know, Harson's got this thing across the board. Like it, it was, it was kind of the transition year. And so maybe this year is the full regime. And obviously with a new OC coming in and Austin Davis and, and what all that will be, um, I I'm, I'm excited, but it certainly is going to take some more personnel movements and adjustments to kind of figure out what we're really working with. But you talk yeah. about the, the commitment and the effort to work hard, you see it on the defensive side. And I think that's a direct reflection of coach Mason and the type of, like you say, the type of mentally tough, hardworking players that coach Mason goes out to get. That was his MO at Stanford at Vanderbilt. And obviously at Vanderbilt, that's a very tough situation for any coach just because of the challenges they're up against as a program. But like that is who he is and that's what he expects out of his defense. And you see that. I mean, Smoke Monday playing in that bowl game. I, I just, I think that says everything that you need to know about him. Obviously those targeting calls were tough, but um, this kid, this kid plays hard and he lays it out there every single week. And big names returning, like you said, Colby Wooden is returning. Owen is returning. Praise be. Uh, Derek Hall returning. Those are all just, a, it's a testament to the buy-in and the desire to be a part of it and to work hard and, and to trust what they could be for Auburn. And I think that that is, it, it all coexists together. Another big return is John Samuel Schenker on the offensive side. Talk about a sixth year. My guy is coming back for hey, a sixth hey, year. Smart he guy. is. There are really core pillars of this thing that know more than we do because they're on the inside and they're hearing all of these in like deep conversations and they want to commit another year to be a part of it. So I think that there's, there is a lot of potential and a lot of hope. Unfortunately, the bowl game, I don't think necessarily reflected that, but it just kind of was the springboard into an off season that will probably still have a lot more moves. Yeah. My whole thing is great points. Great, great analogy. Um, Thanks, <laughs> yes. I would just have to say Shanker made a smart decision. Shanker like, I just broke the record this year and yeah. tight ends receiving. I don't even like bringing these two schools up, but the two teams that are playing in the national championship this week, like yeah. every year it's like, okay, well, they lost this guy, they lost that guy. Come back next year, they're still rolling. Stacked, yep. You know what I'm saying? So like, we got to get to the point where we can stack kids and be like, hey, he's a senior this year. Once he leaves, it's your show. Yep. Like, don't run, just be patient. I remember Cam telling me, he's like, man, I used to watch y'all when y'all was playing and show that season made me want to like have an opportunity it you know should. you hear it from multiple kids and then when camel came through and then they won you hear a lot of kids say oh man i wanted to come to auburn cause cam and, and what they did in 2010 yeah, and then i exactly. said 2013 nick marsham go to the championship and everybody like i want to go to auburn because i want to run that system that auburn's running and for a, for a good 10 year period we was rolling i know like three times out of 10 years we had a chance to be international championship yeah. Like 
you know, so where it only happened once in 57 years at that time, well, 50 years or whatever before yeah. 04. So it's just, I don't know, like, it's just uh, like, and then we lose our coach, Nick Eason. Yeah. You know, like Nick was a big part of like getting some of those recruits and some mm-hmm. of those guys wanting to come back to Auburn. Right. And then we let Clemson come in and pull them right from up under us. And I was just like, Nick is a great young coach. I know. How do we let this happen? I know. It, it's, it's an ever evolving world of college football that we're dealing with right now. Anyone who's unfamiliar, he's the defensive line coach and reports are out that he will be leaving Auburn to go to Clemson. So um, that's definitely a, a big loss, but where there is going to be turnover at the coaching position, we are getting a lot of our guys back unless they leave with him. Let's not even put that out there. Um, those yeah, it's guys, a, it's a shining position though. So yeah. if I'm a coach, I definitely want to come take that position. I know. Absolutely. As you should. I mean, these guys are going to make you look good. So, um, that's, that's definitely been difficult as well, but I mean, you just, you look at this and you have to have an adaptability in this world of college football. You can't hold on to struggles too long. And you also can't hold on to victories for too long because things are changing so quickly that whatever you think is a big get or whatever you think is a big blow, it, it may not be as relevant the next day, depending on what other moves happen. You know, I mean, right. just like you and I were talking, Dylan Gabriel left UCF. He was sitting pretty at UCLA out of nowhere, kids at Oklahoma. So that wasn't set in stone like we thought it was. Right. So it's just, I mean, no one saw the Williams kid entering the transfer portal. It's been a lot. And I, I don't think it's over yet. Regardless, there's plenty to happen in this off season. You always feel like once season is over, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Well, in the current age of NIL and transfer portal and all of that, there is always plenty to uh, take your time. You know what I mean? I know exactly Um, what you do. You go to that basketball arena, you watch the hoops. My guys are number nine right now. God, we are crushing it. And I absolutely want to get your take on it. But real quickly, before we close out the uh, football segment of our show, we do have one more game this season. And uh, unfortunately, as an Auburn Tiger, it's our two biggest rivals. And look, that's what, like, I want to tell this coaching staff, like, go easy on yourself because, like, you're <laughs> new around here, you know? And, like, yeah. look to the left, look to the right. Your two biggest rivals who you compete with recruiting area and everything you have to play every single season, they are competing in the natty. So, like, the Auburn job is a tough freaking job and I think the fans understand that as well and the players do but um that's the reality of this season that it will either be Alabama or Georgia closing things out with the national championship and um I can't say I was surprised I mean given the semifinal matchups I felt like Bama was going to take care of Cincinnati and Georgia would take care of Michigan and uh they did just that so now it will be a rematch of the SEC championship in which I predict a different result well, 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 okay. You know, somebody, <laughs> somebody said they're going with UGA here. I am. Uh, I agree with you on one sense. Okay. The one sense that Mechie is not playing in this game. Yep. I was at the SEC championship game. Mechie helped open up Williams so much. Yeah. That they couldn't hardly double team Williams. Where now, if you watch the Cincinnati game, they was able to keep him from getting behind them. 
because mm-hmm. they was able to keep more eyes on him because right. there wasn't a threat of Mechie. Now, Alabama always has somebody that comes out of somewhere and becomes a star in a national championship game. Yep. Devontae Smith became a star when Tua came off the bench and threw him the touchdown pass to beat Georgia a couple of years ago. Yep. And the rest is history. So who's going to be that guy for Bama that's not Williams, that's yeah. going to be that star receiver that's going to pop up in this game and show out? Because um, they got him. They got him. They got him. Uh, look at Ohio State in the bowl game. All their the top two what receivers was out. And here comes this number 11. He breaks the record for bowl games Wild. and catches and yards. So you just never know who's going to be that guy to change the game. Yeah. My sense is Kirby, when he gets against Bama, he overthinks things. Yep. Because his predecessor and Coach Saban, it almost like it keeps him up so late at night. Yep. That Saban it's is already much. like game planning and simplifying things where he's overthinking because he's trying to have an answer for everything. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to put out there what you got out there and just say, go and beat them. Yeah. Like, and don't overthink it. Sometimes you make these kids overthink where they're trying to think and play. Don't change what got you to this point the whole season. You I feel like he to. did that in the SEC championship game. In the SEC championship game, they went totally away from their run and tried to make Bennett a passer. Yeah. Okay. Bennett was a good passer in the Michigan game. This is not Michigan defense is not Bama defense. They don't have a number 31 over there, a Will Allen. Right. Uh, that can Anderson. go. Anderson that can go and get the Love quarterback. Him. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy should have been on the Heisman list. He a hundred percent should have. Yeah. Like this guy is, he's one of the best I've seen at that position. And, so good. and Bama has a pedigree of being in these games that I, 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 I think they still going to win it. It's yeah. so frustrating because like during season, during regular season, you looked at Alabama and you were like, they have a lot of weak spots. Like they have, I mean, I'm sorry. We almost beat them, lest we not forget, you know? And I mean, yeah, like, we did almost a, beat them. Florida almost beat them. Like, there were so many close calls for them this season. But then you see them in the SEC championship game and the playoff, and you're reminded that a team like Bama thrives on the biggest stages because they've been there so many freaking times. It's and they not take the rent pausing. Huh? You know what, Nick, I didn't ask to host a podcast with you. I want Jay cam back, please. Um, anywho, that's what they do. And conversely, Georgia played balls to the walls all season for lack of a better term, because they just, they finally felt like they had it and they played with that swagger and that confidence and they stuck to their identity. You put them on the big stage against what's essentially been the monkey on their back in Alabama and they crumble. They can't handle the stage. So that I think is what's going to play a factor in this one. But I think because the sec championship went the way it did and Georgia feels beatable by Alabama, I think they perform a lot better. hundred percent. They perform a lot better. hundred percent. I agree with that. Anytime you get beat the way that you got beat and you get a chance to get another run at a football team that you want, you level up. My thing though, is they had one week to prepare for Bama. Now Mm -hmm. they had three weeks to prepare for Michigan. 
So their first 15 plays of the game, you could tell how well scripted they were mm -hmm. and they was on it. My thing is you only get a week to prepare for Bama. So Stetson Bennett, well, we see a lot of that, what we saw against Michigan because they were scripted plays. Yeah. And these are 15, 15 plays that you go over for three whole weeks, you know, like, so, but now can they get over the Bama kryptonite? I have neighbors that are Georgia fans. I don't like neither one of them. <laughs> I like my I like my neighbors. I like my neighbors. I'm just saying I don't like Bama or Georgia. <laughs> so let me Important clarify. Important to clarify. Yes, Not a clarify. shot at the neighbors. Right, right, right. I like my neighbors. I like going over and chilling. I'm just saying, I don't like either one of these schools. No that are representing in a national championship. Now they both come from the SEC and you are right. If you're an Auburn coach, that's a tough slot. Cause if you're Auburn, Georgia pretty much went in the East for the next three years. Oh yeah. Tennessee could, Tennessee could catch fire though. But my whole thing that's is- That's true, their quarterback's coming back. Right, so my whole thing is Auburn plays Georgia, you play Bama. So you gotta beat Bama to get to this SEC championship game. You gotta beat Georgia to get to the SEC championship game. And then when you get there, you probably gotta turn around and beat Georgia again. And then you got to go to the playoff system. And then you have to beat one of them schools again just to get to the national championship. Yeah. We are in the toughest position when it comes to this. And yeah. that's why I was against the whole thing of if you don't play in the SEC championship or you don't win the SEC championship, you don't get to be in the, play in the playoff format. I know. Because this reason, in 2017, Auburn played Georgia in the SEC championship. Auburn loses to Georgia after we just beat them two weeks before. Yep. Bama doesn't even play in the game and they play in the in the playoff and play for the yep. national championship. I don't understand that. That's not even likely fair. Like you no. punish Auburn for going to the SEC championship game and losing to a right. team that they beat two weeks before. Right. So in this situation, Alabama beat Georgia. Georgia loses, but I understand because of the strength of their schedule based on the rest of the other teams. They get a chance to play Bama. I get a chance to play Michigan in the playoff system. Then here we go again with another rematch. Yeah. You know, so. Until we expand, that stuff's not going to fix itself. Yeah. So that's my only chaos with this whole thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for the SEC, but I'm just like, how you reward a team that didn't even win their conference. Ridiculous. It's tough. We won our conference in 04. They didn't let us play in a national championship game. I know. You still feel slighted. I know you Yeah, do. I'm still slighted. I'm just, <laughs> just 10 years later, I'm still upset. I can go and pinch somebody. Punch somebody. <laughs> but, but, oh, no. He's triggered everyone. Yeah, I'm just I get it, though. I, I agree. Y'all were slighted. Okay, moving on. Basketball. Before we close this thing out, now we can all breathe a sigh of relief because we are looking fan freaking tastic right now. And obviously, SEC play is underway. We're in the top ten for the first time in two years, and things are looking up. Um, so obviously, defeated LSU last week, seventy to fifty-five. I mean, just easily handled them in a packed Auburn arena. You love to see it. And then on the road against South Carolina last night. 81 to 66. So we are rocking and rolling in conference play. Also a couple SEC honors for a couple of our guys. Walker Kessler was named SEC player of the week after a triple double in the win over LSU. And that is just the second triple double in Auburn history in his SEC debut. So very freaking impressive. And then Jabari Smith was SEC co-freshman of the week for his 16 point performance in uh in the win as well so we've got florida this weekend and then alabama next week that one will certainly 
uh, be interesting as it always is, but basketball is, is really getting off to a hot start. They've got a lot of notoriety right now. They're really, uh, they're leveling to, uh, what Pearl really anticipated this team would be. And, and you feel pretty good about the start that they're on. Yeah, I like this basketball team. First and foremost, it starts with their defense. Right yeah. now, they're top five nationally in defense. And, you know, you watch these guys, like Will Green and all of them, the way that they steal the ball. And yeah. you know, they could turn the ball over and go right back down the court and then just get it right back. And that's what Coach, uh, Coach Pearl has talked about. He was just yeah. like, you know, we turn over, then we go get a turnover. He was just like, so, you know, you kind of live with it. But this whole basketball team, it, it, like Kessler, like, it starts with him in the middle. It does. Like, he blocks a, so many balls. Yeah. And and then he's such a talented asset that you can pull away from the basket, which makes the other team big, have to come out and guard yeah. him. So it gives your guards an opportunity to go one-on-one and get to the basket without a shot blocker. Uh, so I, I like that aspect of it. Like I said, we're not the best three-point shooting team. Yeah, uh, We're not Brown and we're not you know, my other little guy that shot us to the national championship, Harper. We're yep. not those guys, okay. but these guys are, they're bigger, you know, they're, they're bigger. So they can, they play the guard position defensively a lot yeah. tougher. Uh, you just don't get that outside three range ball consistently. Sure. Uh, but I like this team. I, I really do. We got some great games coming up, Taylor. If you can make it down to Auburn for one of them in January, it would I be should. awesome because they play Oklahoma in Auburn. Like I said, we got Kentucky coming up. I believe Kentucky's in January. Well, you got Florida, Bama, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. They're a good basketball team. Mm-hmm. So we got some really good games coming up here in January that's really, really going to propel this team to a top five Ooh. basketball team if they can win a couple of these games. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're you're totally right. I feel like the identity of this team is a little bit different than that team that you're mentioning, but it really is Bruce Pearl's like bread and butter. I mean, he wants this team built on defense. And I I think Walker Kessler was such a great addition for this program. And like you said, the size that he contributes, but his technique is so sound that his size doesn't become a problem. You know what I mean? Like sometimes those big guys, they haven't gotten their technique down. So they become foul trouble all the time. And, And this guy like has honed his craft with the size that he contributes um I'm I'm really hype on him Jabari obviously off to a great start as well so I think the, he's the one that he's the one that really like a lot of these kids come out of high school in their top five uh-huh. and you're just like okay but he's the kid he's so unselfish I know and that's what I like about him you know he's 16 he can shoot he can pull he can shoot the three he can do all of that but he's so unselfish the way he gives the ball up so yep. you know I, I like that aspect of uh he's gonna be a top five draft pick uh, one last thing, and then we'll say adios. Uh, gymnastics season starts this week. So if you are in the Auburn area, go ahead and get your tickets. They start this week at UNC Chapel Hill. They have a quad meet with UNC Bowling Green and someone else who is escaping me. Um, but their first home meet is January 21st. It's UNC Bowling Green and NC State. Um, this week. So it'll be the first uh, look at this gymnastics team, but the first home meet will be January 21st against, I believe, Iowa State. Reminder, Olympic gold medalist, all around winner, Suni Lee is on our gymnastics team, which is just incredible. So, you know, all of Auburn's meets this year are going to have a lot of eyes on them, a lot of notoriety because she is 
beyond Simone Biles, the biggest name in the sport right now. So uh, incredible that we have her on campus. So take advantage of it and make sure you go check out a meet this season. We wish them well as they kick things off this week. So that's going to do it for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys following along. Everyone, enjoy the week. Happy New Year. Enjoy the national championship Monday night. And we'll be back next week to break it all down. Have a good week, peeps. Peeps. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.